It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know what I said? I said a little something last year, and seeing if we could uh, we could do this again. I I wonder if we could repeat or threepeat, should I say? Thank you very much. It's time for Saverin on Sports. Mike Sullivan, this year's parade, of course. I say this year's parade like uh, it happens every year, and that happened to be this year's uh, parade. As they say, it all starts at the top. It stops starts with ownership. That's true of sports teams, probably true with any organization, as a matter of fact. And in today's Post-Gazette, Dave Molinari, the longtime Hall of Fame hockey writer, wrote an amazing piece on a guy who doesn't sit for interviews. That'd be Ron Burkle. Dave Molinari joins us now on Saverin on Sports. Dave, thank you for uh, being with us. Uh, was this at your request um, and, and how and why did Burkle agree to give an interview like this, which he almost never does? Well, actually, Stan, I was approached by an executive from the team uh, who asked if I would be interested in speaking with Mr. Burkle, which that took at least a billionth of a second to uh, give the response to that <laughs> one. Um, uh, So, you know, I and certainly other uh, members of the media had attempted over the years, you know, to uh, or had made it known that we would like to speak with Mr. Burkle, but, um, you know, that simply wasn't something that he had been interested in. So I I was almost floored when when, when I received a phone call uh, asking if I'd like to do that interview. Dave, did he mention to you why he chose this time um, to do the interview? Um, no, not really. Um, I, I get the feeling, Stan, that, that some people in the organization were kind of prodding him as, as much as you can prod a billionaire uh, to almost take a bow for the, uh, the contribution he's made to the Penguin's success uh, during his, his time as owner. Uh, I'm guessing that if it had been solely left up to him, um, that he would have quite happily uh, remained in the shadows. But I, I, I think people uh, from Mario Lemieux on down through, uh, you know, the upper end of the front office really wanted to see that, that he, he got acknowledged for, for what he's done to, uh, to make this team's championships uh, possible. Just in general, Dave, um, I've spoken to him, shook his hand, just a chit-chat, uh, never had a <clears throat> had length conversation. Seemed like a personal enough, personable enough guy. Uh, you spent nearly an hour with him. What, what was he like? Uh, he was impressive on just about every level, Stan. Um, I mean, I don't have uh, much experience hanging out with billionaires to compare it to, <laughs> but, he, but he was extremely down-to-earth, uh, welcoming, friendly, as, as you can see by the quotes in the story, he was very forthcoming with information. He wasn't afraid to make fun of himself. 
Uh, in fact, when, when it came time to write the story, I, I thought my main challenge was to just not get in the way of, of the things that he had to say because they were so interesting and insightful. Um, honestly, I, I could not have been any more impressed uh, with a person than I was with him. Interesting um, that you did it uh, in New York. Um, was there talk about you going to California, which is his primary residence? Um, was there a conversation about doing it when he was in Pittsburgh, or is he only come here during hockey season? Uh, I, I don't know how often he, he comes to, to Pittsburgh. Uh, there was never any talk of me going to, uh, to his place in California. I, that might have simply been out of consideration for me uh, because New York is a whole lot closer than Beverly Hills. Um, so, you know, I, I can't really say, you know, what went into the decision for, for where the, the interview would be held, but it's, he was going to be in New York, and it certainly was a, a lot easier to, for me to get there. So I, I'm guessing it was just something that worked out for both sides. Dave Molinari of the Post-Gazette, uh, I urge you, uh, I send it around on Twitter, um, get the copy of the paper today, go online, check it out on Twitter, the article about co-owner, Penguin co-owner Ron Burkle. And Dave, let's, one of the things that surprised me most about the article is not that this is true to the letter, but it seems like he's actually more interested in owning the Penguins than Mario is. Um, Talking about you know that they want to go out together, um, that he but he definitely wants to own them forever. Mario had expressed interest a few years ago about getting out. You mentioned in the article, or he mentioned in the article, that his son was into hockey and his nephew was into hockey. Did he get involved with Mario to buy the Penguins as a business investment, or did he get it because he liked hockey? That's kind of hard to say. It, it was definitely the, uh, you know, my, or my take on it was that it was the interest uh, that his son and nephew had in hockey that kind of got him into the, uh, in, into the sport in the first place. Um, I think there were all, you know, the uh, relationship with some mutual friends, uh, specifically Tom Rich. Uh, who was uh, Lemieux's longtime agent back during his playing days, and uh, Tony Liberati, who had been an executive with the DeBartolo Corporation when mm-hmm. uh, when they owned the team. Uh, both uh, are mutual friends of, of Burkle and Lemieux, and uh, you know I think they were responsible for the two getting together. But you know they might never uh, have seen Lemieux and Burkle as a compatible pair if. Burkle hadn't developed this interest in hockey, presumably because of his son and nephew. You know, Dave, I'm wondering in talking about the connections and what led to, uh, all of them to get together and uh, obviously invest and save the team for Pittsburgh, is the role that David Morehouse played. Uh, you point out in the article that Ron Burkle um, is very active uh, in political circles in terms of donation and supporting candidates. And, of course, uh, David Morehouse was very active in the John Can- uh, Kerry uh, presidential campaign in 2004. Um, I'm assuming that's where Burkle became aware of David Morehouse. Well, I, I can't say that, that it happened during the uh, 2004 presidential campaign, but it was definitely politics that uh, caused their, their paths to cross. And uh, 
Ron Burkle went out of his way to repeatedly talk about how important uh, Morehouse has been to the the success of the franchise on the business side. Um, he uh, you know, made a point of, of hiring him. I, I believe it got into the story, but I, I'm not positive about that. But that he told uh, Ken Sawyer, who was the CEO of the team at the time, that if uh, Sawyer couldn't find room in the budget to hire Morehouse, uh, that Burkle would pay him out of his own pocket uh, in order to bring him into the front office. So, it, did, it didn't make it into the story. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you told that. And did, didn't he first hire Morehouse primarily to begin working as a conduit between the team and county officials, city officials, to get a new arena? I, th- that was certainly at least part of the reason that, that he was brought in. When you look, uh, and again, I don't know how much about the sport that he knows. He's probably learned a heck of a, a whole lot since he's been an owner. But other than the payroll, spending up to the limit of the salary cap, um, what kinds of things has Burkle done where he's put his stamp on making this really a model franchise outside of the hockey part of it and winning? Well, probably the the most conspicuous move was hiring David Morehouse, uh, you know, which he had been so adamant about. But he also, you know, in addition to uh, allowing the uh, the team to spend up to the salary cap ceiling every year, he's a big part of the reason that they do everything in pretty much a first class basis, whether it's you know flying on their charters or staying in the the finest hotels or having you know the best training facilities like the one that opened a couple of years ago in Cranberry uh his wealth makes a lot of things possible and i think his business instincts which obviously are pretty good given his you know personal wealth i i think they they come into play at times too when uh when there are personnel decisions being made in the front office, not about whether to acquire a uh, particular left winger, but, you know, about maybe how to structure the business or, you know, what sort of individual might be a good fit for a, uh, a spot in the front office. Um, he, you know, he's, he's not going to get in, he's not going to tell Mike Sullivan uh, who to put on a particular line, but I, I do think he has um, considerable influence on uh, on off-the-ice matters for the franchise. You know, that's interesting because um, you know, he is a, quote, hands-off guy. But in the article, um, you, you say that he, and maybe wasn't the only one, but Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He believed that the team in winter of 2009 was underachieving, which indeed they were after having been in the finals in 08 under Michael Terrian. Was it him that primarily urged that Michael Terrian be fired? I, that, that's certainly the impression I've gotten. Um, you know, Ray Shira, who was the GM at the time, is extremely loyal to uh, his employees and 
Uh, Terrian had taken the Penguins to the Cup final, you know, just the previous season. But I think this is where Burkle's instincts kind of came into play, and he was pretty adamant that uh, even though he, it, it's very clear that he's uh, fond of uh, Terrian on a personal basis and, and respects him professionally, that just his time had uh, had run its course with the Penguins. And when you look and see that uh, three or four months after after Terrian was replaced by Dan Bilesma, they won a Stanley Cup. It's kind of hard to second guess his thinking there. Dave, one of the things that I found interesting, again, from the business model standpoint, uh, he talks about, um, obviously, they're in business to make money, but he said he doesn't look at the actual dollars. He looks at it, am I building value? And then the dollars will come from that. Um, As he said that to you, how did you interpret that? What do you think that he actually meant by that? Well, I I think that he felt that at the time, say the first eight or ten years that he was involved in ownership, but really taking a hands-off approach to to the team, that the the bean counters, for lack of a better term, in the front office were more interested in showing a bit of a positive balance in the bank account at the end of the season uh, than they necessarily were about trying to put a winning product on the ice, and that at the very least, um, they were being more deliberate about it than he cared to be. I mean, he, he talked uh, about, uh, you know, the front office having a five-year plan uh, to become a, a cup contender and compared that to all the failed five-year plans in uh, the Soviet Union and things like that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I won't say that he lacks patience, but he's not one to sit idly by when, when he thinks that you know, progress can can be made, and in that case, he felt that uh, being aggressive, for example, you know, going agreeing to uh, up the payroll to bring in Marion Hosa in uh, 2008, when Ray Shiro told him that uh, adding Hosa and Pascal Dupuis could make the Penguins a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, you know, uh, Burkle didn't balk uh, at giving his stamp of approval to that move. Uh, once he was told by people he trusted that that, that was the best thing to do to uh, upgrade the team. A couple more questions for Dave Molinari of the Post-Gazette. Uh, I urge you to read this article on Ron Burkle because the chances are you won't see one like it um, anytime soon. Um, Mario had mentioned a couple years back that he would might consider you know selling his stake. Um, Burkle said, well, he's never leaving. Uh what eventually settled that? I mean, Mario talked about that, and then the next day they won the ping pong ball war, and they got Sid. Uh, what what changed Mario's mind, at least in in Burkle's estimation? Uh, I, I what I spoke with him mostly about was uh, from a couple of years ago when there was talk that the Penguins were interested in, uh, or the the owners were interested in either selling or bringing in a new partner, and uh, the the goal at the time uh, was apparently to give Mario Lemieux a little more liquidity. Apparently all of his um, money at the time was tied up in the team. And I don't know exactly how they went about rectifying that, um, but they obviously did to uh, Lemieux's satisfaction. And uh, 
there's uh, certainly no talk at this point of, of either of them leaving ownership. And you mentioned in there very casually, and someone read the article and wanted me to ask you about it, uh, did Burkle address an attempt to buy the Pirates? Did, I mean, did, did he admit that, that he, he at least made an inquiry about that? Uh, I asked him about that. Uh, he said that he had never publicly confirmed that he had made such an offer and declined to discuss it any farther. That was one of the very few uh, issues that I brought up that he simply wasn't interested in talking about. And the last thing, Dave, I was very interested in, he said, as, as great as it is um, to be on the ice and lift the cup and all that goes with it, um, he mentioned that maybe his favorite part, for those who haven't read the article yet, of the Stanley Cup runs and finishing by winning the cup are the parades. Oh, uh, And certainly this one in particular. I mean, uh, he talked about several players uh, in relationship to the parade, but specifically Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, who he talked about at the time, thinking that this might be the uh, the last official act of uh, Flurry as a Penguin, and and how he enjoyed seeing Flurry uh, enjoy himself during the parade. Uh, he seems to have a uh, very strong attachment to to a number of players, and uh, his respect and, and admiration for Flurry and how he has comported himself. Uh, during his time with the Penguins, uh, certainly came through. Well, it came through in the article, as did many things. Dave, it's a fantastic piece. Uh, it was it was a fantastic work. Um, you did a terrific job with it. Again, I urge people to read it, go online. Uh, it's on Twitter. Uh, congratulations, David. It really uh, is, is great work befitting a, a Hockey Hall of Fame writer. Well, thank you, Stan. I really appreciate that very much. And I appreciate you being on and, uh, with me today, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon. Very good. It's always my honor, Stan. All right, Dave. Thanks very much. There he goes, Dave Molinari. In case you did not know, of course, Mike Lang is in the Hall of Fame, uh, but so is Dave Molinari, uh, the veteran Post-Gazette writer. Uh, and I do urge you, it's just I, I had no idea it was coming, and I opened up the paper this morning, got up early and opened up the paper, and there it was. And, I mean, he's, well, he's a mystery man, I mean, Ron Burkle, where he made his money, at least some of it. Uh, but this was just unexpected, um, and I've talked to a lot of colleagues who have read it who are on this, you know, sort of the same place where I'm at. You know, we see him not often, but on occasion, um, say hello to him and so on and so forth, shake hands. Uh, but you'd like to know more about him, and nobody ever does. Uh, this was really a window into Ron Burkle, co-owner of the Penguins. When we return, I want to get some of your reactions, some of the things we've talked about today. Would the NFL actually consider a strike to get the kind of money that the NBA players are getting? Maybe even baseball players are getting? Not sure that would work. Uh, I want to get your thoughts also on the Ron Burkle piece, too. So let's uh, refresh your engines. You can call me, 412-922-2874, pound 970 on your cell, you can email me, Stan Saverin at iHeartMedia.com. Post on Facebook, Saverin on Sports, or tweet at Stan Love the Show. Hope you do love the show. It's Saverin on Sports. Take us with you wherever you go. 
ESPN Pittsburgh is on the iHeartRadio app. Anywhere, anytime, and always free. ESPN Pittsburgh, an iHeartRadio station. Greg posts on Facebook under a picture we had of uh, Ron Burkle for our Dave Molinari interview. And uh, Greg said, buy the Pirates, please. Uh, and it is interesting that um, Burkle really would not talk about it. It's mentioned in the article, and your Dave talk about it too. Um, this guy doesn't buy things on emotion. I mean, there's there's got to be a business. I mean, anybody who owns a sports team does so to a degree because it's an emotional buy. But this guy in particular, look, he bought into the Penguins at a time when they were hardly profitable. I mean, there was some debate about whether they would even be here. So he, emotion aside, has to think, that there is a good business opportunity here. And that's why I said, now they're making a lot of money now, but it's a good business opportunity. And it just, it strikes me that he wanted to buy the Pirates. And again, he wouldn't really comment on it, but according to the article, we're probably looking at 2010 or so. And the Pirates, of course, were not doing very well. They were in the uh, latter stage of the 20-year losing streak. But doesn't it strike you as interesting that Burkle thinks that there was enough of a profit opportunity there that he would buy him? Now, there's probably some intrigue in owning two teams in the same town. And there's always... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com Boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires goal for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. That issue about, well, you can't own two teams in different leagues, whatever. I'm sure there's ways to get around that. But I found it interesting that if indeed, maybe just he was just sniffing around. Maybe he was just part of a group, business associates from L.A. or somewhere. Maybe he was just going to be a minor investor, but figured he could make the original foray into investigating because he was already known in Pittsburgh by owning the Penguins. But it is interesting that he thought that there was a business reason, more than an emotional reason, to buy the Pirates. And from what we know of it all, He's right. We don't know 
how much money the Pirates make. But with the new deals that they have, especially with national TV and some of the Internet-related things, it's very profitable. It'd be even more profitable if they weren't five games under 500, coming off a season which they finished under 500. And it might be a lot more profitable in terms of attendance if the perception on the part of the fans about nutting were to change. They think it's somewhat unfair. Frank Coonley bristled this spring when it was suggested to him that the the fans don't think that they're in it to win. And that's an age-old thing. They say they are, and they offer up examples of it. But that's the perception. And there's only one way to change that perception, and that's to win. Whether it's done by increasing payroll, whether it's done by going big at the trade deadline, there's only one way to prove that. I don't think necessarily you judge the ownership based on how much money they spend on payroll. I think there has to be a decent amount of money spent on development, drafting. And there's one thing about them that you you can't accuse them of is that they have spent a lot of money on the draft. They haven't always made the best draft picks. That's another story. But they actually were one of the leading spenders, if not the leading spenders, in the draft before Major League Baseball, frankly, shut them down. When they pass these new rules about there are limits to how much money you can spend in the draft, I never understood that. I know why. There was pressure from the big market teams. That's the only way the small market teams, who are not going to be able to compete for the big-name free agents, you spend more on draft picks, so you develop your own. They shut that down. But there's only one way to change the narrative. And that's to do things differently. And people look at what Burkle has done. And let's face it, in terms of the actual dollars, most of them are Ron Burkle dollars. They've won three championships in eight years. Anybody would settle for that. They've got a world-class arena, although that's thanks to you, the taxpayers. They've got a world-class facility out in Cranberry. That's thanks to UPMC, but it shows you the clout that the Penguins and Mario and Burkle have in the region. That's what that's all about. I would imagine Ron Burkle hasn't been involved in too many businesses, sports or otherwise, that haven't done well. But then again, you could say the same thing about Bob Nutting. And I will add this. And I've said this before. This is not at all to stand up for some of the things the pirate management has done or has not done. But I would say this. Be honest. Would the Penguins have won three Stanley Cups if there was no salary cap? I think not. And I would add something further. 
I doubt the Penguins would even be in Pittsburgh if the NHL hadn't instituted a salary cap about a dozen years ago. Joe and Penn Hills. Hi, Joe. Welcome to Savern on Sports. Hi, Stan. I've been I mean, listening to you about the Pirates, and I'm a, you know I've called you and screamed, and I've called the other talk shows because I know what nutting's about. We all know, and like you say, you you always say the right thing, but. You know, like, they're going to win. You know, they're thinking, well, I'm going to use one name, Moroff, 80-80s batting. Just to be here, a guy taking a roster spot, and Stewart, a roster spot. Right there, Stan, it's just, it's just too much for me anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm up since the late 40s when I was a young boy, and there was nobody ever in the majors batting 80 or ever batting 190. So what they is, can't do better than that, Stan. Right. What What does that tell you about their minor league system, that he's still here? Uh, I don't understand why Giffen Gope is not a better option. I don't understand why Alan Hansen wasn't a better I, option. That's, now, what I, that's what blows me out, Stan. I really can't figure it out anymore. Well, just I, I out. will say this. Um, you know, we talked about some of the things that have happened to them obviously, if Marte and Gung were here, and I'm not going to let them use that as an excuse uh, because they had you know a chance to do something about that, although Marte happened you know early in the season, then it's a domino effect. Those guys aren't on the team. They shouldn't even be on it anyway, but anyway, always thanks for letting me vent, Stan. All right, Joe, thanks very much for the call. Um, I wonder if things would be different if Ron Burkle owned the Pirates. My guess is they would be, just in a business model standpoint. I thought it was very interesting. That's why I brought it up with Dave Molinari. The thought process of Burkle saying, I'm not worried about what the bank account says at the end of the year. I'm worried about building value. If we build value, then the dollars will come. Now, granted, there's a salary cap. There's a limit. Baseball's more expensive. There's an extensive minor league system that you have to deal with. Although, by the same token, the national TV is much more lucrative in baseball than it is in hockey. Meantime, speaking of lucrative, nothing is more lucrative than the NFL. Major League Baseball players, their contract, they're pretty happy with it for the most part. NFL players are not. And it doesn't expire until 2021. But Richard Sherman said if they want mega bucks like the NBA guys are making, there's only one way they're going to achieve it. I don't know that it'll ever come to that. We'll talk about that next on Savern on Sports. Catch the Crowley Show today at 4. Where your mom listens. And hey, you should too. Adam Crowley on your home of the Steelers. ESPN Pittsburgh at 9.70 a.m. And now at 106.3 FM. Steph Curry. I just talked to Steph Curry's agent, Jeff Austin of Octagon. Uh, They just agreed in principle with the Warriors on the richest contract in NBA history. Five years, $201 million, and no player option after the fourth year. So Steph Curry commits to the full five years in Golden State, and he is now has crossed that threshold of the first $200 million a year player in the NBA. You know, I mentioned that to you earlier this week. I understand that the NBA has this very lucrative TV contract and millions upon millions of 
But, I mean, the money that they pay out, how can this be? I mean, how can they possibly turn a profit? I realize only have 12 guys on a team as opposed to 53 or whatever, 25. But still, it's astounding the money they throw around. If the NFL wants that kind of money, when their contract expires with the NFL in 2021, Richard Sherman says they're going to have to strike if they want a better deal. Who knows what football will be like then? Before we get to that, let's bring in Ray. Ray joins us now from the South Hills. Hi, Ray. Uh, hi, Stan. Hey, a uh, couple comments here about the the Pirates. Uh, the first real quick sarcastic just to move on is uh, the old standby. Well, if the Pirates don't like the system, why are they voting for the CBA every time? Yeah, because the system is the system is much kinder to them now than it was ten years ago, and that's why I'm saying that's why I try to draw the draw the connection that Ron Burkle looked into this uh, six years seven years ago. Uh, he's not a guy who buys things on an emotional basis, so he must have seen the profit opportunity here, and we all know that Bob Nutting's turning a profit. Yes, and. Uh... Uh, the second thing, I know it's like everybody, especially, uh, not to, but uh, it's hard to say generalize the media, but there are certain elements in there, giving them like the excuse of gong. But this happened in the, in the winter. You could have found yourself a third baseman for, the, for a little bit. I mean, you know, they were so... Sure, this guy was getting. I don't know what they were thinking of him to begin with, but you could have found ways to find yourself a third baseman, not the freezes and whatever. And then I heard in the Post Gazette article that Marte found out March 11th. Is that true? That he found out way earlier than the Pirates? Yes, he he was informed. Um, I I can't verify that actual date, Ray, but he knew before the Pirates were informed. Yeah, uh, and why, so why are they putting up with this guy that lied with them? Because you could have got yourself an outfielder, or you would have set your team up different. You uh, know? I, I, I mean, I don't know what they would have done on a half-season basis. And I, I honestly, I don't know if Major League Baseball um, told him you're not allowed to say anything, or if Marte it, had a question about his test. I. It, sounded like in the paper article that he was too embarrassed to tell his teammates. So it sounded like he was allowed to. Well, telling his teammates is one thing. Telling Frank Coonley is another. Yeah, but if, if, if a teammate would have heard, someone would have, you know, found out. No, it doesn't make any sense to me. And yeah. as a matter of fact, it doesn't make any sense to me why Major League Baseball wouldn't tell the team at the exact same time they tell the player. Well, that's what I wanted to find out was uh, – did, did the Steelers know way before Le'Veon Bell? You know, the NFL and procedures, are they different? They thought it was a possibility. But you remember that Bell appealed his sentence. Yeah. But they, no, they did know before the season, you know, began that this yeah, was so a they, distinct possibility. Yeah. So when it came down, let's put it this way, they were not surprised. Uh, okay, and then the, uh, the real quick last thing was um, – I, I even Greg Brown brought this up yesterday that this is totally different because it was a test and it wasn't like Ryan Braun or Cervell, any of these other guys that we booed forever. 
that we should just open arms Marte in that? Or, or, or is it because we're, it's our team now, so we should cheer and not, you know, how ruthlessly we are to Ryan Braun and Melky Cabrera and Barry Bonds? Well, the thing about it is that Ryan Braun is a specific case because he used the technicality and got an employee fired um, because of that. I mean, you know, it was bad enough that, you know, he got caught, but then he didn't try to weasel his way out of it. But, no, I would say that Pirate fans have every bit uh, of right to, to boo Marte because whatever forget the morality of using you know the the the, the banned substance i mean if you want to boo on that account fine you know then you might as well boo Cervelli too he didn't do it as a pirate but he did do it uh and it was suspended so was bastardo i wish he'd have done it you know about 6 months ago um they would have saved him from having to watch him pitch but the thing about Marte, forget about the morality of whether it's right or wrong. If you want to boo Marte on the basis that his selfish act really hurt his team and thus the team that you root for, you have every right to go out and boo. I don't tell people how to behave. I don't try to uh, sort of impose my morality Uh, on them. If you want to boo on the fact that what he did was wrong, by all means. If you want to boo on the fact that he really hurt this Pirates team, then by all means, you have every right to boo him. Yeah, it just uh, seems they were, because even uh, some of the other apologists were going, well, you you root for the Steelers, don't you? And you, what do you do with Bell? Well, you don't know what I do with Bell. I let him, if he scores, he scores, but I don't cheer him. Well, you know, whatever. You know, is, to to each their own, and, yeah. and you know. So you know. By the way, but, in five years, uh, smoking marijuana will no longer yeah. be. But I, I'll be severely disappointed if Gong. I can't believe Major League Baseball is helping the Pirates out here. Not well, this the, age. They're well again. They're helping him out with the visa, but remember, they have an, a contract with the MLB's uh, Players Association, and so these things that. Uh, incidents like this are covered, and there's a certain protocol that they have to follow based on their CBAs. But has anybody investigated yet whether he's actually going to get another suspension on top of all this? We don't know. He, 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 it sounds like it isn't. It sounds like when we get gone back this season. <laughs> he, well, I doubt you'll see, you won't see him this season, but he does face potential and possible punishment from both Major League Baseball and the Pirates, in yeah, addition to what else has gone on. Yeah, it's, but it just seems like they're not going to do anything. Well, you don't know that. No, but it's just, just you, you, going by the comments. You don't know that. Just every week. You, know, you don't know that. Got to go, Ray. Okay, have a great one. You too. You Good too. the Cardinals. All but. right. Uh, when we return, it'll be time for this date in sports history and birthdays. That's next on Saverin on Sports. We are sports. Stay up to date with us on Facebook, ESPN Radio Pittsburgh, or on Twitter, where we keep it shorter at ESPN Radio PGH. It's not personal, it's strictly business. This is business, and this man has taken it very, very personal. Saverin on Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh, on 970 AM and 106.3 FM.
Tomorrow on the show, Matt Williamson will be talking about the Steelers and the NFL. We didn't quite get to it today uh, about what Richard Sherman said. You know what? He's not far wrong. You know, talking about the mega millions of money that the NBA players get in baseball, maybe to a slighter, less extent than the NBA. It's crazy. Um, he said 2021, if they want that kind of money, they're going to have to go out and strike. That's a long ways away. And you talk about the TV revenues, but it makes you wonder, what will the TV revenues be like for the NFL in 2021? You know, maybe that golden goose is going to be laying scrambled eggs by then. We'll talk to uh, Matt about that and some NFL and Steeler issues uh, as well. Time now for this date in sports history. And on this date in the year 2010, sad day, um, George Steinbrenner, owner of the Yankees, he passed away at the age of 80 with a heart attack, passed away in his second home of Tampa, Florida. Also, on this date in, speaking of the guy who played for him, on this date in 1971. There's a long drive. That one is going way up. It is off the roof. That hit the transformer up there. Anybody remember that home run that Reggie Jackson hit? 1971, the All-Star Game in Detroit, Tiger Stadium, old Tiger Stadium. Reggie Jackson hit a ball that hit the light standard uh, high above the roof at Tiger Stadium. The American League had lost zillions of games in a row to the National League, and they won that game 7-1 on the strength of Reggie Jackson's home run. It was a bomb. Happened on this date in 1971. How about some birthdays for today? Happy birthday to a couple of round ballers, David Thompson. If you never saw him play at NC State, you missed a treat. He was kind of Jordan before Jordan. Not as good as Jordan, but he was an amazing player at NC State. He's 63 today. Happy birthday to one of the all-time great little guys in the NBA. Spud Webb is 54 today. Happy birthday goes to a guy who has tormented the Pirates for years. Yadier Molina, 35 today, been hurt a lot this year, been a great catcher, maybe a Hall of Fame candidate. He's 35 today. Happy birthday goes to Bobby Carpenter. He had the distinction of being the first American player ever to be taken in the first round of the NHL draft. Bobby Carpenter from Massachusetts is 54 today. Happy birthday goes to Texas Ranger outfielder Shin Su Chu, the Korean ball player. He's 35 today. And happy birthday goes to a guy who I think changed sports talk forever. Enough said. Roll Here the turkeys. Here we go. Antonio Brown, goalpost pouncer. <laughs> Love that. I hope he's wearing a cup. Tony Kornheiser. I do think. I think he changed sports talk forever. And the way he did his shows and the kind of guests that he had. Um, was on ESPN Radio for a long time. Tony Kornheiser today is 69 years of age today. Stay dry out there. Be careful out there in the rainstorms. We'll see you here tomorrow at noon for Saverin on Sports. Take us with you wherever you go. ESPN Pittsburgh is on the iHeartRadio app. Anywhere, anytime, and always free. ESPN Pittsburgh, an iHeartRadio station. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.